I'm Jack Stafford, and I interview inspiring people in service to others as inspiration for new songs. Today, I'm going to speak with an expert in social media. I took one of his courses and found it very useful, so I'm taking this opportunity to say thank you. Besides me, his other famous clients have included Taylor Swift and Rihanna. His last book, One Million Followers, was about how he generated a million social media followers in less than 30 days. Let's hear from Brendan Kane. Sorry about all the uh, back and forth. My schedule is just uh, insane right now. No problem. While launching with a with a new book, it must be uh, must be full on. That it is. <laughs> so how's it going? Did you get a good reaction? Yeah, it's like the way that I do it is like we I spent two years building like a whole engine to market books. So it's like, for example, with my first book, it's like we're selling more books today than we did when we first launched. So it's like it, we've just been getting the engine up and running and scaling. And we really don't get, let me say the, the response has been positive thus far, but we don't really get a really good sense until we put about 30,000 to 50,000 copies into the market. And then at that stage, we really see the the response and the amplification efforts really take off from there. Yeah, I've noticed more and more people are selling. You can sell a book for three times the price if you sell it via advertising direct to the consumer on a on Facebook or Instagram. No, I don't really care about the price that people pay. I care about the fact that I now own the relationship with the consumer. Because if somebody buys from Amazon or a retail store, which we sell because that consumers want to buy from those retailers and our efforts actually amplify the sales on all those channels. But if somebody buys an Amazon, I have no idea who they are. I have no way to communicate with them. I have no way to connect with them further versus if we sell direct consumer and we own that data of the person, then we can communicate and foster the relationship over the long term. Yeah, I remember when I bought your first book, one million followers. I was kind of, I was kind of in the funnel, you know. I think you even gave it away free, or you gave it away like, yeah, probably free shipping, and you just pay the shipping of it. Yeah, yeah, and then well, I got the Kindle version, and then, you know, and then I followed you. I, you know, that's also why I'm doing this call is to say thank you because you really, you really, going on that course opened my eyes a lot, and being part of your Facebook group really helped me. To, to to understand how to communicate and, and to develop it to where I'm at where I'm now. I appreciate it. It's good to hear people recognizing the larger work that we're trying to do with people. People are just brought in with the concept of followers. And yes, we teach those tactics, but really that hook is designed to bring people in to teach them what they really need to know in order to be successful. And and that's really what I want to do. It's not, hey, we can teach you followers all day long. But if you don't understand the underlying principles of what makes you successful in business, what makes you successful online, then it's not really going to translate or mean much over the long term. Yeah, I guess that was a that was a great it's a great example that hook points work is that you had this one million followers in 30 days. 
Yeah, and it was all designed for that purpose of a hook to bring them into the larger conversation. Because if the hook was, you know, how to A-B test in social media or, or the proper mindset for being successful in social media or how to even like create shareable content, it wouldn't, it wouldn't resonate. They wouldn't bring in, sure, we would have sold books, but not at the level that we have. And we wouldn't have had the impact that we really set out to do with, with the information in the book. I already did an interview with Tom Schwab, who you introduced me to, you, the podcast agent, and he said that he, the, what is ama- what is amazing to what is ordinary to you is amazing to other people. So, do you think that because you worked for all these big brands and you you were using this Facebook advertising tool to get likes and nobody knew about that? But do you think that was like ordinary to you? But you you could harness it. Well, I would say that a lot of the stuff that I teach and I speak about, it's nothing that I invented. Mm-hmm. I kind of found these strategies, dissected them into the simplest form, and then figured out how to scale them. And then when I figure out how to scale them, then I can teach it to other people. So where, and this is like why I'm doing hook points and helping people in that capacity is oftentimes what I see is that things come so naturally to the brilliant people, to the successful people. And become, because it becomes so easy to them, it's very hard for them to articulate it into a simple and easy to understand model to follow or formula to follow, or just even like wrap their head around it. And that's what I've just learned over the course of my career is that's where I excel because I'm not a genius. Like I don't pick <laughs> stuff up super easy. Like it takes me time to really wrap my head around things and I have to distill it down into its simplest form so I can understand it. Mm. And that's what gives me the ability to A, simplify it, B, scale it, and then C, teach it. And and that's really what I do. So any of the principles, and it's like this in anything, there's very few things of anything that are truly innovative. Most Mostly everything has been done. Everything's been been said. Uh, it's just how you contextualize it in a meaningful way. Mm. And you know, this being an entertainment, you see it in music, you see it in, in movies is they all follow a similar formula, like especially the movie industry, they're all using the same character arcs mm. and characters. It's just, they express them in different ways. Now, does that dilute the brilliance of it? Absolutely not. Like, I'm not saying that uh, there's no uh, innovation in the way that they contextualize characters or even songs or melodies or any of those things. But it is understanding those those formulas and and then making them your own. I just heard you talking about Pixar on another podcast and you saying how they they use these five personalities. Is it right to incorporate in every character? So there's one character that has everyone can relate to. Yeah, so so Pixar uses uh, what's called the process communication model, and it's ingrained in our in our consulting firm, and we even hired one of the few master trainers in the world who was running a school for James Cameron, that that was all taught uh, all the teachers at the school were taught in this model, and they teach the students, and essentially uh, you know Pixar uses it, NASA uses it, Bill Clinton uses it, Audi to really connect at scale, and what it really expresses is that people perceive the world in different ways uh, and they almost speak different languages within the language. 
So there's people that perceive the world through thoughts and logic. So things have to make sense to them. It's like they want to see the data, the facts. There's people that perceive the world through feelings and emotions. They don't really care about the logic or if it makes sense. They want to know how is this going to make me feel? You know, then there's people that perceive the world through values and opinions. They want to hear your opinions. They want to know, do I believe in this person? Do I believe in this character? Do I want to believe in this brand? Uh, then there's people that perceive the world through humor and fun. Like they just care, is this going to be fun? Is this exciting? Is this awesome? Then there's people that perceive the world through um, actions. And that it's like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Mm. Like, what is he always doing? He's running. He's not stopping and thinking. He's not feeling. He's just going. He's just moving. And then the last one is, is kind of inactions, people that reflect on the world. So it's like the Albert Einsteins of the world where they're staring off into space and they're just reflecting on the things that happen around them. So what Pixar does that so brilliantly is they make sure to design a character that speaks to each one of those types. So that no matter how you perceive the world, when you sit down in front of a Pixar movie, there's a character that you can connect with, that you can relate to. And that's why we've ingrained it in everything that we do with, with the work in, in our books, our marketing materials, uh, but also with our clients is making sure that when we're helping them stand out and grow, is contextualizing their message in a way that everybody can resonate, everybody can connect with it. Because uh, the biggest mistake people are making is they're designing content for themselves. Mm -hmm. They're designing content for how they perceive the world. So for me, if I perceive the world through thoughts and logic and I'm not well versed in this framework and model, I'm just gonna talk to people that perceive the world through thoughts and logic. Uh, with data and facts, and I could alienate 75% of the population by only communicating with that language. But knowing that that's my strength, if I now start contextualizing my message and content with some feelings, emotion, with some fun and humor, through some actions, some then I'm diversifying my message in a way that everybody can resonate with. Now, that's not to say that we're changing the message. We're not changing who people are or what they represent. We're just contextualizing and changing certain words or the way that the, the, the information or the way that the, the sentences are structured or the way that the, the dialogue is structured, or the way that we're communicating to make sure that we can bring in the widest audience possible. So if, because you worked with like Taylor Swift and Rihanna and so you wouldn't change them. You wouldn't, don't, it's just. No, we never change who somebody is. I mean, typically, typically we don't work with clients that don't already have a product market fit. I mean, we can, I help people come up with directions, but most of the time we're dealing with people that have a product market fit and they're just figuring out how do I scale or how do I just take it to the, take it to the next level. Yeah. Uh, so we never change who they are. We just change how they contextually present that to the world. Mm. So like probably not, I don't know, I think many people listening to this podcast even have a brand or a company, but for if they just want them to, if they want their posts to be seen, to be raised more, how, how do they, how would they go about doing that? I mean, well, they, this can be used for anything. Mm. Like this isn't just online or social. This can be used to get a job. This is can be used to get a promotion. This can be used to close uh, a, a consulting client. Uh, so where does it start? The first place it starts is grabbing attention. And that's why I spent two years just putting together all this, all this information in the hook point book 
is because in the world that we live in today, there's 60 billion messages sent out on digital platforms each day. Mm. And because of that, you're no longer competing against your just direct competition. You're competing against every piece of content that's published each day. You're like it or not, you're competing against uh, Netflix. You're competing against The Rock. You're competing against Kevin Hart and all these people. So first and foremost, your job, whether it's online or offline, is just to get somebody to stop and listen to what you have to say. So just a, an example, I'm sure this has happened to you. It happens to me less now because I put my phone on silent and I don't pick up any numbers that I've never, uh, that, that are not sort of my phone. But when a telemarketer calls, you know it's a telemarketer. Mm -hmm. And the minute you know it's a telemarketer, what do you do? You hang up the phone or just say, I'm not interested. You don't even get to the part. Maybe he has the most amazing thing that he wants to share with you, but it turns it, it just turns you off. You never get to what they're talking about. And it's the same thing with social content or any type of conversation is if you cannot get them to stop and pay attention to the first three to five seconds, you'll never get to the story. You'll never get to the message. You'll never get to the song. You'll never get to the movie. Yeah. Like if you look at, for example, just to demonstrate uh, how much this is needed, if you look at the movie studios today and watch a trailer on social media, what do they do? They have a three to five second trailer that plays before the actual trailer. So if, if you watch like a Mission Impossible trailer, they'll have three to five seconds of just explosions and noise and things just to get you to stop. Mm. And then they play the trailer of the story and what it's about. Now, if a company that spends you know, hundreds of millions of dollars producing a piece of content has to do it, then you just know it's something that you have to do for your own brand, your own business. And then once you have the attention, you have to retain it. So that's where we talk about that context and the process communication model is how do we craft a story? How do we craft a, a piece of content that connects with the widest audience possible? Because we're not talking about clickbait here. We're not talking about how do we just get somebody to stop and then we mislead them with another piece of content. It's how do we, how do we carry that through line? How do we tell a, a compelling story? Because all the algorithms in social media are predicated on two things. One, when people are scrolling through the feeds, or do they stop? And two, when they stop, how long do they stay with that piece of content? And that's the, that is fundamentally the ingredients of success is, is do you get somebody to stop and how long do they spend with the piece of content? If you do that, you'll be successful. Mm -hmm. Now it's very simple in those two steps, but it's not necessarily easy to do. You know, as we've worked in our private group with you and just the, the, all the science that goes beyond that, but people are up in arms about the algorithm saying, oh, the algorithms are constantly changing. The algorithms are there to get me to pay. Do I have frustrations with the algorithms? Absolutely. But I know that what their job is, and they have a very difficult job because if you open up Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or TikTok or whatever platform you're on, there's probably a thousand pieces of content it could seed to you based upon all the content you've engaged with and all of the, the accounts that you followed. So obviously it can't push a thousand pieces of content to you when you open it up because that would be super overwhelming and daunting. So you have to prioritize. So the algorithm say, okay, these are the 10 or 15 posts that I believe are going to A, get somebody to stop and B, keep them on the platform longer because that's how these platforms win. That's how these platforms generate profit is the longer you spend on it, the more ads they can serve you. 
So that's really fundamentally is at the core of where to start is to understand those two principles. That's important, yeah, because I thought a lot of people do that once you once you get someone to like your page or, or like you on Instagram, they, they're going to see your stuff straight away. But yeah, when I think how many pages I like on social media, I'd have to be, I'd have to be a full-time job if I was going to see every update all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I definitely, I used it. Uh, I used it. I had 3,000 page likes on my Facebook when I started on my, on my music page when I started. And then I... I I used your technique. I, I got the likes for um, about one cent each using um, quotes as you as you taught. And I got up to 50,000 really quickly. So I think I spent about $500 or something. Um, but that really helped to have, to get people to do a podcast interview with me. They go on to my social media and they see how my potential audience. So, but and that's your hook. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it gets but people to pay attention but you're still saying that's like a misnomer because um i've also looked with some guests um and i looked at some guests and they had like on their website i have a million followers and you look on facebook and they have a million and then you look on their twitter and they have about three you know so and, and all their posts are getting hardly any interaction so you can tell they're just they've just got these followers through advertising but they don't really have an audience well, you know I wouldn't say that. I mean, I work with clients that have amassed huge follower bases organically, and they still run into the same issue. Mm. And again, it's because the algorithms increasingly have a more difficult job to do. So when I look at an account that has high in, or high social following, but low engagement, I know that is not because they bought fake followers or because they marketed their account or that they uh, that they are doing something nefarious. It's that they're not playing to what the algorithms are looking for. They're not getting to that level of being a content creator that plays to that. Now, there are some people that just have tremendous connection and brand that it just carries over. Uh, into that. That's why you see like a huge celebrity like a Taylor Swift or The Rock or Kevin Hart that just have high engagement because they have fostered such a deep emotional connection through the content they've released. But I hesitate to to focus on those individuals because they're, they're a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of 1% of people on social media. Right. So right. I look at that, that, that larger goal. So I always, I always, preface that conversation of if somebody has low engagement, I, I, even if they marketed their account, I, I don't think it's that they did something necessarily wrong because I see the same thing with people that have purely grown organically. It's just, they got to get their content strategy in line with winning that attention mm. and building that retention with their content. So if somebody has like, you know, millions of Instagram followers, but hardly any Facebook or, or Twitter that that's not an alarm bell to you. No, it's not because I I've seen, it's very, very difficult to master multiple platforms. There's very few people that I've seen do it. I, and I see some of the biggest YouTubers in the world that struggle to co correlate it to Instagram or TikTok. Uh, but I've, 
you know, I, I will say I have seen examples, very few and far between. I could probably only think of a, a few names that master all platforms. I, I saw mean, your, your you Twitter look, profile. You only had, uh, you haven't posted anything in five years and you have like yeah, 77. I, <laughs> I just don't care about, about Twitter. It's just like, it's not my focus. Like yeah. when I do something, I'm all in on it. Like I, I, that's why you look at my social accounts. I probably posted one thing in like three months. It's because I'm super hyper-focused on this other experiment that I'm running mm. and, and, and growing something bigger. So, but shouldn't it be that, that you, 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 you post on one platform and it should get traction on all of them or is it hyper specific? It's hyper specific. Now there's correlations between when you look at like Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, their algorithms behave pretty similarly. So if you can make it, Listen, if you can make it work on Facebook, it will generally cross over to Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, and sometimes, you know, Instagram's a little bit easier to generate reach than than Facebook. Uh, but typically, those three platforms are very similar in their consumer behavior and what the algorithms are looking for. YouTube's a completely different beast uh, when it comes to content. They're looking at much different variables. Uh, you know, first and foremost. Most of the traffic comes from suggested videos. So that thumbnail and headline become critically important. Mm -hmm. And two, it's a much more longer form consumption behavior platform. So where on Facebook or Instagram, if you can get somebody watched for 60 to 90 seconds, that's a huge win mm -hmm. from a retention standpoint. YouTube, you gotta be in the minutes. Uh, you know, they're looking at you know seven, eight minutes minimum uh, to, to really trigger the algorithm that it's a piece of content that's retaining audience. Now that's not to say that you can't find shorter clips that, that go viral on YouTube. You can, but just as a rule of thumb across the board, I guess people use it like at different times as well. Like YouTube's maybe you're going there for long form, you know, you deliberately want to sit there and you want to watch long content in the evening. You're, you're winding down. Yeah. It's consumption behavior. They've trained visitors when they're going to YouTube that you're going to be watching things for a longer period of time versus Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, Twitter. Mm. It's short bursts. Now, you know, Facebook is, is trying to shift that behavior through like Facebook live and, you know, IGTV and IG live, but they're struggling to do that because once human behavior is ingrained into something, it's very difficult to, to shift it. Yeah. Not to say that they won't ever get there, but it's a it's a difficult uh challenge to overcome. So what's the next platform? Because you have like you have like TikTok for when you're on the bathroom and you know YouTube when you're relaxing in the evening. Is it do these platforms like go for a time in the day or I mean what's gonna be next? Well, I would say my core focus is just on the core platforms. I don't see any of the core platforms, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. YouTube going away anytime soon. Mm. Uh, if you're looking at what is the future of social media and social platforms really look like in the in the not so distant future, you've got to look at the hardware. The hardware dictates the software. So if you really want to understand what the future of social media is, you, you look at where the mobile device is going. How is that going to evolve over the next few years? Uh, now, Recently, and I don't keep up to date on on really hardware uh, news and where it's going. But even you just look at the new iPhone that came out. There's not really a drastic shift in it. Now that doesn't mean the next iPhone or the next Samsung Galaxy 
can't completely transform it, but I haven't really heard or seen that happen yet. Mm. Uh, so that's really what is going to dictate a massive shift or a massive change is some people say, well, social media moves so quickly. It's like TikTok has been around for a long time. I mean, they were musically before. I don't even know how long they've been around, but I know it's at least six or seven years. And some people may say six or seven years is a short time period, depending on your age and your experience in business. But it's not like these platforms come up like overnight. It takes years to, to build that audience uh, and and you can see the writing on the wall. And to me, it's just people really underestimate the brilliance of the people at Facebook and the people at YouTube and these other platforms. They're really smart. They're not <laughs> successful by luck and they haven't like maintained that audience and success by you know just guessing like they're testing they have behavioral scientists on on board and they're constantly re refining and getting better and better and better uh with hooking people in that's where it's like uh you know snapchat was on the rise for a while and and, and facebook kept testing different iterations of what that could look like within their ecosystem and then they came up with ig stories and ig stories wasn't the first experiment that they ran but they didn't you know, they didn't give up. Now they're trying it again to take out TikTok. And, you know, the first iteration of what that looks like is Reels. Is Reels the answer? Who knows? But they are testing and they are learning. And I believe that they will eventually figure it out. So you think the demise of Facebook is, is was too soon? Was well, they've been seeing that for 10 years. <laughs> they keep equating it to like what happened with MySpace, MySpace and Friendster. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a completely different ballgame. I, I mean... MySpace and Friendster paved the way and they did a remarkable job, but they're not close to operating on the same level as what Facebook mm. uh, has done and what they are doing. Didn't you say they're operating like 50, there are like hundreds of different Facebooks all around the world? This oh yeah, they're always testing different variations all around the world. Remember when the whole thing about likes disappearing from Instagram, mm, they yeah. came out because they were testing that concept in certain territories and then people found out about it and then it started spreading. But eventually, I don't, I mean, it hasn't taken shape for me and I don't know if it's ever going to take shape, but that's, again, they engineer their success. They are not lucky. They yeah. just will test, out test everybody. And that's why they're going to be around for a very long time. Mm. Yeah, I guess they can hire the smartest people and they certainly got the money. So, mm. yeah, I mean, well, I certainly learned so much using your doing your course. I started uh, as a I, I was a self help songwriter because I was doing the, the my album of songs to help people with their their mental problems, and then I was doing quote songs. So I tried to to condense that down. I started singing all these short little quotes. I don't know if you remember I shared those in the group. Yeah, yeah, and that. Yeah, I didn't. It wasn't something Jesus would do, as a friend told me. It didn't really have any substance. So then I well, switched. We don't to know what Jesus would do, though, <laughs> in today's world. It's very easy to say that statement, but we don't, we have no idea. Is that a common one? <laughs> well, people, people, there's that statement, what would Jesus do? And I, I think it's a good statement, but we have no idea what he would do in today's world. Hopefully, he'd have a podcast. That would make me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you would have a TikTok account. You never know. But it's like you say, you have to have that, um, you have to have have substance. You know, everyone's looking for the sheen 
or the polish when they haven't actually got anything to to polish but substance substance comes in very different forms hmm. and there's different types of substance that people are looking for it's like there's there's some people that substance to them is a cute cat video that makes them feel good at the end of the day hmm. i would they, argue that they substance. are good though yeah i do love those cat videos yeah i love i follow dog accounts like it's to me it's like everything doesn't have to be serious everything doesn't have to be life transforming like what is it to be a human being mm. it's to laugh it's to cry it's to experience it's to fall in love and if a quote at the end of the day brightens somebody's day if it makes their day a little bit easier to me that is substance i thought it was a great idea i was so convinced that was going to take off i still think it's a great idea <laughs> But again, it comes down to testing and, and being relentless in that pursuit of, you know, figuring it out. Like there, I don't know if I use this uh, reference in our work together, but Mark Ribier is a musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who's absolutely exploding right now. Mm. I mean, he, he's just everywhere and everybody wants to collaborate with him. But I was listening to an interview with him. I think it was on the H3 podcast. And he said, like, he struggled for years. I don't remember. I think it was two, three or four years where he just was not, it wasn't working. Hmm. And then all of a sudden he, he stumbled on this format that, that he's been ultra successful with this same with Prince EA who wrote the forward for my book is he started out as a rapper and he spent years trying to become a rapper. And I think he generated like 10 million views over a few, few years. And it just didn't really resonate with him. And he, and he, he woke up one day and he's like, I'm going to stop rapping because I'm doing it for myself hmm. and for my ego. And I want to start just helping people and transforming people. And he, he shifted his format to more inspirational based content in like an urban poetry delivery. And then he generated 2 billion views in a few years. Hmm. So it's like, we always see these success stories but we don't see the work behind them. And the and failures that's where, before, you know? Yeah, and that's where it's like with my second edition of the 1 Million Followers book is I restructured the whole beginning to focus on mindset first because people just give up too easily and they don't realize like this and the systems and the strategies are simple to follow, but they're not necessarily easy. Mm. It's like my friend who's one of the top creative directors told me that you know, you know, completing an Ironman is very simple. You bike X number of miles, you swim X number of miles, you run X number of miles. Hmm. But that doesn't mean it's easy to do. And it's like anything in life. And I think people really overlook that and just give up too easily uh, on a direction because they don't immediately see the success. Hmm. I think all those failures teach you so much as well because... No, if you allow them to teach you, yeah. most people look at a failure, they get so down, they don't look at what can I learn from it. I think you know in your in your gut when something's really going to work, like, and then you really work at it, and then for you you make it a success because you put so much work into it. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing I'm doing three episodes a week of pod songs now, so that's three songs a week, so that's an album every month of produced songs, so that's 144 songs a year of and i'm trying to serve people so i I've, i interview people who are serving others or and have something to to offer the world and so i write songs about them 
so it's constantly new material you know uh, it's constant inspiration for me as a songwriter not to write songs about the hunt things i've written for years before you know yeah definitely so i've got to write a song about hook point um any ideas <laughs> uh well you know, the the dedication to the book and i firmly believe it is that there's people all over the world that have the ability to transform it in a very positive way. It's just their their message is not getting out there. Either A, because it's being suppressed, mm. whether it's by a government, religion, algorithms, or they just don't have the tools on how to market. Uh, so that's really why I'm putting that information out into the world is I want to make sure it finds the people mm. that have that ability to transform it. They just don't know how to to get people to stop and pay attention. To exactly, because they, they, they all have, you know, everyone that we have the smartphone that, you know, you can make these adverts on or, or your content, can't you? Everyone now has all the equipment they'll ever need. You know? I see even big companies, they use these, the CEO will just use a simple piece of the camera. Yeah, and I, and I even talk to like our bigger clients is they're all oftentimes over-engineering content. And just like people, when they open up Instagram or YouTube, they don't need to see a feature film. They don't need to see something that's highly polished. People don't really care. They care about what is the what is the content? What is what does it represent? What is it teaching me? What can I learn about it? Uh, about watching this or engage or again going moving me on an emotional level. That's what people care about. That's why you see content on phones go super viral as they connect with that. Also did that in the group, you know. There were some quite funny other students in the group. I know we shouldn't name any names, but uh, some of them were quite their personalities. Now, and they all were selling their own individual products, and some of them were just terrible, you know. Yeah, they really were. And then you just had to get them to go back to basics because they were all, you know, they had a bad screen behind them or the or funny lighting. You know, just just go outside and do a piece to camera. You know, and just, yeah, you obviously, yeah, obviously, you don't want the production value to distract from your content, from your message. Uh, because, like, if the audio is off and somebody can barely hear you or barely see you, unless that's a part of the story, it can detract from what you're trying to achieve with the content. So, unless again, a place of the story, you want to make sure that you have the proper lighting or sound so that people can actually engage with your content and yeah, if it with fits your with the con if it, you know if you're doing a piece on a roller coaster and you know yeah obvi yeah obviously i mean a terrible sound and blah, 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 blah. so it's not these production values is it no it's just again you just don't want to make sure that it detracts from what you're trying to achieve with the content no, I wouldn't do the one on the roller coaster though, because you, you have to do quite a few takes with these things, so you could really turn yourself inside out. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, it's a really it's a good book. I've been reading the the Amazon preview. So. Cool. I appreciate you checking it out. Yeah. But uh, I really think it follows on well from from your book the first book, but I think you probably have to read this one first. Now it's even more important than getting a million yeah, followers. Yeah, that's typically what I say is, is start with hook point and then go into 1 million followers because it sets the foundation. 
of what you need to be successful uh, if you want to gain followers. Okay. All right. Well, thanks very much, Brandon. I think I've, I think we covered it there. So unless you have anything else to add. No, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to connect with you and all the listeners out there. No worries. And thanks again for, thank you again for, for your, for your great lessons and kickstarting me on this project. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, Brandon, I'll let you know as soon as the song's done. Okay, cool. All right. Have a great day. All right. Take care. In our three second world, people are scrolling so fast. I had your attention, but in a moment it passed. Most people's ads some clever and their message gets lost. Connect with your audience to get yours across. That's why you need a hook point, a headline like a set point that reaches out and pulls your Every hour, every day But stand out with a twist By changing just a small way Like the writer who added four words To an old beggar sign It is spring but I am blind That's why you need a hook point A headline like a set point That reaches out and pulls your reader To grab their interest Mock it up and test it Try to find the best bit Simplify the concept Till you find what really works tuning in glad you enjoyed the show please share it with other people rate and review it on your podcast app and search out the song on any of the major music services or download directly from podsongs.com that's the best way to support us thanks to Maurizio Sanicola and Massimino Vodza for working with me on the music and Dori Verba my researcher and thanks to you the listener see you next time